was 700 a month, which was, even in today's terms, is, is frightening. Right, welcome to the podcast, Gareth Massey. Hello. So, for the people who don't know who you are, can you just explain a little bit about you and your business? Uh, so, I'm Gareth. I have a company called Learning for Excellence, based in Sunderland, and we're an independent training provider, specialising okay. in health and social care. Great. Um, so, where did kind of your journey begin in FE then? Where, where did it all start? Um, I've been in FE for about 13 years. Um, worked in recruitment for a very long time. Um, really enjoyed that. And then the 2008 recession hit. So when that hit, I got made redundant from recruitment because I was in construction um, and just kind of fell into training. Somebody I knew was in HR at Talent. Um, mm just kind of took a leap of faith and, and went and joined them. Baptism of fire really got um, given a set of standards for a customer service and a warehousing qual on day one. Day two, uh, got sent to Bedford to enrol 250 people on MVQs. So yeah. it was a bit you know, straight in at the deep end, really. Yeah. And then, you know, how long has Learning for Excellence been going now? So when did you set up your business? Learning for Excellence will be um, six years old in January. So when it first set up, it's been a, an official independent training provider for um, two years in August, two, two mm -hmm. years next month. So, but prior to that, um, I was really just a, a sales consultant kind of offering my services to other providers, other colleges. Built a lot of good links, good, strong partnerships, which I've still got today. And um, we still work with today. So because commercial, of commercial trainings where it, 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 you've kind of started as well, isn't it? In terms of the commercial side. Yeah. So uh, because I predominantly do health and social care, I started getting a lot of queries for the odd moving and positioning course or um, something like, you know, a dementia awareness course, things like that. And in the beginning, I used to kind of ferry them out to people that I knew. And then I just thought, you know what, there's a market here. I'm going to try and tap into this. Um, so I found a couple of good freelance tutors and just kind of built a, you know, built a bit of a reputation for doing it. Um, fast forward from back then to where we are now, with Learning for Excellence, commercial business probably generates about 40% of our income. Um, yeah, which in my opinion for a training provider is a you know a strong position to be in um, and, and I think just, it's an it's important position to be in because a lot of people just go the funded route they then try and do commercial and have a commercial target and never try and never really crack it or vice versa they have a commercial business and don't understand about mm -hmm. the funding side so you've managed to kind of get a good marry of both really I mean nearly 50-50 percent of your business is, is commercial totally. to, to fund it. Totally. And there's a, there's a lot, we've got a wide network of providers that we speak to a lot and we work with and do you know, I'm, I'm very big on kind of sharing best practice and, and discussing what we've done that's worked for us, where we've had failings, what they've done, where we failed and, and trying to improve what we do. And pretty much everyone who we've spoken to all say they want a commercial business. 
Um, but it isn't something you can do overnight. Do you know, I've been the commercial side, which I've brought into learning for excellence. Um, that side of the, of, of what we do is probably, do you know, a solid five years, five years strong now with good clients. Um, at the peak, when we're busy, we're probably running, I think the maximum we've done is about 38 days in a month. Um, yeah. Bear in mind, there's only 20 working days in a month. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so it's- I was going to say, no month has 30 days. Nah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's good. So that, you know, commercial has been a strong part and, and client relationships being a strong part. So did that make that transition into the funded side a little bit easier? Yeah, totally. I mean, I've always been, when I first came into to FE, it was like the good old train to gain days. Um, you know, working at Talent, they were, for the North East, at the absolute forefront of, um, of like the old MVQs, if you like. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the target that we had was 700 a month, which was, uh, even in today's terms, is, is frightening. Crazy, um, crazy numbers. Crazy numbers, but we had they had massive contracts. We had the likes of Tesco, bloody Woolworths, you know, huge big companies where they had fifteen hundred people in the warehouse, and fifty percent of them were doing the MVQ. And yeah. um, so I think understanding that because I've I've been in kind of a enrolling people, and that was just my job. Then I gradually moved into sales. Obviously, recruitment is one of the hardest sales jobs in the world so I've always mm. been sales anyway um but I think our ethos now as a business is very you know client focused um not just with the commercial stuff but with everything else we do like the apprenticeships we've had a lot of success with sector-based academies and pre-employment training courses um but it's because we've got a massive client base um, yeah. albeit you know we only work in health and social care but some of the relationships that we've got now, I've worked with some of these employers for nine, ten years, and they still they've followed me through different positions, and and now they're they're a strong client of Learning for Excellence as well. So, the health and social care market is probably one of the biggest markets out there in terms of um, growth in jobs and and, and future potential growth in jobs. What are the the key um, challenges you face? working in that sector? Um, I think the first and foremost is it, it, it's different if I can kind of paint the picture because as a business, we obviously do apprenticeships. Um, we're a prime provider as such, but only for levy. Um, I know that's obviously changing. Um, the, the clients that we work with on the apprenticeship side are very different to the clients that we work with for recruitment services, yeah. for like the academies and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. The biggest challenge for us, or you know, for the business, is is finding employers that buy into what we do. Um, so, cutting to the chase, being upfront about it, we've we've had a lot of inquiries over the years from companies who have said, "Oh, job centres put us onto you. We've heard what you do." For us, an employer has to buy into to our model, if you like. So yeah. they have to meet all of the learners. Um, they have to have at least two interactions with the learners when they're on on the sector-based academy or the pre-employment course. Um, at the minute, 
and still still now going forward we won't be working with people where it's zero hour contract um do you know so finding them good employers that invest time in the staff they train the staff do you know they they're about getting good people in that's sometimes a struggle because obviously from our perspective you've still got contracts to meet you've got targets to hit and you've got to find them them good employers that give people good opportunities and that is a sustainable employment. You know, if you looked at the announcement oh, yesterday, exactly. Nail on with, head. Uh, with, you know, with Rishi and, um, and the, the, the summer budget, if you like, it's about sustainability. It's not about a job for today. It's not a quick I, I run a recruitment agency and chances are, if I go downstairs now, we have one job for one person to do a night shift tonight. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to run a, a five-day pre-employment course. I could. Get a training provider in, say, well, I've got a job opportunity here. You get someone in on the night shift. We've fulfilled our client's need. They've yeah. got a job, but they yeah. haven't. Yeah. They're then looking again tomorrow. So I respect that on the sustainable employment. And yeah. I suspect, you know, I respect that on the, there's not a lot of agency providers out there who are in that market. Mm-hmm. I mean, our it's given us the reputation that we've got um, with JCP and other partners like Careers Service and, you know, any other, any other referral partners that we work with. Um, because everybody knows now that we only work with good employers. It's real yeah. jobs. It's sustainable employment. Um, our success rate is around 75 to 80% into work. And JCP know that. Uh, and the other partners that we we have for referrals know that. So that's just kind of gone from strength to strength to strength. Um, because now, you know, we have we have job centres ringing us saying, we've got a, a ton of people interested in care. Have you got anything? So before they they're kind of, you know, working out with other providers what's going on, we're getting phone calls from them direct saying, can you put a course on? Even if we haven't got any vacancies live, so. That's yeah. where it becomes difficult to try and find those good jobs in that region for for the to meet the demand of to know of JCP mm-hmm. or what we've got. So, um, but you know, I love a challenge anyway. Everybody loves a challenge, don't they? So, um, and I'm still sales through and through. So it's you know, it's the bit that excites me really. Um, one thing I'm keen to get on with with yourself is I normally ask these questions later on, but I'm going to get this out Nothing of the way. Dead completely. Nothing personal. Um, it is what has been your biggest success in business or your biggest successes? Biggest successes, um, definitely Ofsted. Um, that was the most daunting, emotional thing I've probably ever been through in my life. Um, first one, because for me, you know, the, the motive behind setting up what we do. I've been around for a long time in the, and I've worked with a lot of providers, colleges, which I still do now. Obviously, I've been employed. I worked for Learn Direct for um, six years, five years, um, yeah. indirectly for their biggest sub in the Northeast. Um, do you know, so it's, I've been around for a long time, worked with a lot of, of different, um, different companies, predominantly always in the care sector. But when we set up, um, I wanted it to be different. I wanted it to feel like it was, you know, quality over money, if that makes sense. Um, Because if you are quality, everything else should just fall into place um, in theory. So, you know, we've always strived to be, to be 
to be better. Um, I embrace change. Everyone who is in the business have got a fantastic team, brilliant staff. Um, they all embrace change as well. And and the, the thing is about that, obviously knowing your business as well, is you built the back-end systems and had the quality systems in place right from the beginning as well. You had the policies, you had the procedures, which, you know, they're a given <laughs> really. Every yeah. provider should have a policy and procedure, but you had the quality systems, you had the check-in, you had the team in place, you had the quality, you had the management processes right. You know, the leadership and management within your business was excellent. So you mm-hmm. had all of that. You weren't, what I see a lot of and, and shocked at in terms of some yeah. providers who I've seen on the month and visitors, they then put that in place because they have to because it's approaching where you yeah. kind of set that from the beginning. Totally get all there, then ran with it. So anything yeah. you tweaked along the way when you talk to about sharing best practice with other providers, you're mm-hmm. tweaking. You're not going. Shit, we haven't we haven't got this. No, you, yeah, you've got to lay the foundation. I mean, the, the massive advantage that we had because it did kind of you know come as a bit of a let's go for it let's just jump in two feet um as you know i'm not risk averse you know i love taking a chance um jumped in didn't know what was going to happen if it was going to be a success but the the big advantage that we had is there was money there to start you know so we weren't instantly let's get learners on let's get programs running we took our time we had a couple of months we had three months nearly three months actually to build the business there was a dramatic change and shift from apprenticeships to standards, which I would say is definitely one of our biggest challenges um, that we faced because nobody, nobody really knew, you know, what they what they were going to be like. Nobody at that point had gone through endpoint assessment. Um, yeah. You know, it was still uncharted waters, if you like, for for everyone. So. But I think because we took that time and it's one of the things, to be honest, that we got commended on in our monitoring visit is that we didn't just jump in and right, we need money, we need money, we need money. Um, do you know, we, it was calculated. We took that time, we broke everything down. We built it from the absolute bottom up. Um, and we had, do you know, we had a fantastic first year. Um, yeah. I couldn't have wished for a better first year, to be honest. We laid some great foundations, built some brilliant relationships, um, got some excellent contracts. Um, and it was, you know, it, it was really something to be to be proud of, considering we went from an absolute standing start. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a great, great success. And so, I mean, fantastic that. And, you know, obviously things have moved on from, where do you see the opportunities for yourselves and for the industry moving forward? I think for us, um, obviously the Northeast, portion of the Northeast is, is devolved. The North of Tyne obviously is devolved from, from August. So it's, it's getting a bit more tricky, but we've got to position ourselves where our current clients are. So obviously we do a lot in Northumberland. We do a lot in Tees Valley. Um, We've got to make sure that we've got the security in them contracts and them good employers on board, not only for the sector-based academies, but in a nutshell, we've kind of set the the business, the model for the businesses. We can 
I hate the term one-stop shop, but anything that a, a care provider wants, do you know, there's a probably a 90% chance that we can do it through commercial streams or um, funded streams. We use a lot of European funding. Um, and I think we're, personally, I think we're quite good on the um, SSW and SSU contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously we've got the apprenticeship offer as well for the for the standards. So the biggest challenge really is, you know, maintaining them them good employers that have got similar values to what we've got. They don't just want a, you know, an old fashioned ticky box provider. You know, everything we do, it, it's underpinned by quality and they have to share that, you know, that interest and want a quality mm-hmm. service. So going back into the landscape now, um, it might be very different. Do you know, a lot of businesses might have changed somewhat. So that's going to be the, the big challenge, I suppose, is not only getting the contracts and making sure we've got security in that to be able to deliver our services, but making sure them employees have still got the same ethos that, that they mm-hmm. had before. And if not, you know, we're going to have to start, start looking for others and, and growing again. And do you see um, yourselves diversifying? Obviously, you know, in light of, of budget announcements, in terms yeah. of economic shift, in terms of jobs, and do you see yourself exploring other avenues or are you going to be solely focused on health and social care? No, it's it's something that I've that we've been discussing um, quite recently, to be honest. So I think we need to to expand our offer. Um, again, moving back to the Ofsted thing, and um, when we got even when we got Matrix, because we got we got Matrix as well in uh, October last year, which was a, another you know big big moment for us uh, as a small provider one of the things that we got commended on from both was that we do just specialize in you know we know what we're good at and that's all that we do but obviously it's a shifting market it's changing um you know i think we need to to start thinking about other things so we're potentially looking at some management calls we've got a bit of a demand for some of the more kind of commercial qualifications like the business admin level three customer service so we'll potentially look at look at doing that um plus a lot of the care services where we work are now interested in more management type qualifications so i think that's going to be our next area for for growth on the apprenticeships is is diversifying a little bit but you know i think if we're if we're clever and we you know we sit down and we take the time to make sure it's going to be suitable there's no reason why we can't make a success out of of that like yeah it's like any any business model you've built a great model <laughs> because you built it on good foundations if you move into management if you move into other pre-employment you know the foundation you built what works here yeah you replicate it you know if you moved into warehousing pre-employment you need mm-hmm. good employees the same employees you'd look for and care if you yeah. moved into hospitality, if you moved into tech, if you moved anything, you know that foundation of these pillars you put in place, you yeah. need them to make that. Exactly, yeah. It's just got to be, it's got to be right for us to make sure that we, you know, the big Ofsted is is round the corner at any point from January onwards. So don't want to take that leap into to something that we don't know unless we know mm-hmm. that we've, you know, spent the time breaking it down and we can do it. So 
that is that is the next next kind of step for us really is is branching out on that front. Um, how how do you keep up? One of the questions I've asked the you know all these guests is how do you keep up with the forever changing demands of FE? How do you always keep abreast of the changes, the guidance, what's happening? It's an absolute minefield, to be honest. Anyone who, who sees this or who you've spoken to in FE, I know there's been a few, um, it's probably the most changing, constantly changing industry I, I think I've ever come across. Um, you've just got to keep up to date. You know, there's a lot of stuff that comes out, obviously, on things like FE Week. Um, we have affiliations with help, NELP, other, you know, um, networking companies that we can we can get information from uh, we've got quite a good network of other providers that are similar size to us that you know we're not shy about asking the question if there's something we don't know yeah. we don't understand we'll ring people um we're fortunate that we've worked with you know i would say all but probably one uh, of the big colleges in the region um and I, i'm a people person you know, we have, we have great relationships with them, even if we're not working with them now, I still keep in touch with them. Other people in the business still keep in touch with them. So we can use them as kind of critical friends if needs be. And, you know, if we need advice or if we're struggling or we don't understand mm -hmm. something, we'll just go and, go and speak to them, share ideas. And yeah. it's, it's good to get different people's opinions and perspectives on, on what comes out because it is a forever changing industry. Um, you know how you interpret something might be different to how somebody else does so yeah we're, we're often out and about just kind of gathering information and uh, opinions really so but it's mm -hmm. it's important to keep those strong relationships um you know with other providers and other other colleges and people who are in the same boat you know they they want other people's advice and yeah and opinion as well so it's um well i think we're quite good at that <clears throat> to be honest um Plus, anything that comes out from the ESFA, obviously on the weekly updates, we read that thoroughly and go through that. And um, anywhere you've got to make changes, you know, we make the necessary changes. Um, mm -hmm. I think we're quite, you know, on the ball when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you're never going to be perfect, no, but no businesses, let alone training provider. Um, but as long as you keep pushing yourself to, to learn more and understand more, um, you know, you, you've got enough to, to get by and be a success, I think. Yeah, great. Um, how has COVID impacted you? Well, massive. Um, so the biggest thing for us, we literally overnight, middle of March, lost about 44, 45 days commercial bookings. Um, all of our apprentices were because the employee changed where the employers could could put the request to put the apprentices on a break in learning. So after discussions with all of our employers, um, we put all of our apprentices on break in learning. All commercial business literally just over the space of forty uh, over the space of forty eight hours, we lost about forty five days worth of commercial income. Um, so that all went. Um, Again, obviously, a big thing is you can't get access to, you know, care homes have come under scrutiny and the government's handled it, but you couldn't, you can't get access, you can't get in, can you? No, and that's that's really 
do you know, our downfall for for this current climate, it's been difficult for us because we specialise in care, because we only do care. Do you know, everyone who we work with, um, they're, they're key workers. The first thing that went was obviously training, then the care homes and other businesses closed to say no visitors. Um, it had a, a very dramatic impact on us. Um, and then Brighton service. A lot of people we spoke to, a couple of college principals we've had on, they have said their five-year digital plan, they rolled out in two weeks. But when we've spoke previously, a lot of your clients didn't want the digital, did they? No, it's very, you know, it's a tactile industry. Um, they need the face-to-face, they want the face-to-face, certainly for, for the commercial stuff. Do you know, if they wanted digital, they could go on, on um, social care TV and pay £3 for a safeguarding course. Why would they pay our rates for us to do it online? It makes no sense whatsoever. Do you know, it's about that interaction. It's about that face-to-face. Um, so, it, you know, it, it did dramatically impact what we do. And that's obviously taught us a bit of a lesson for future. Do you know, if we stay just in this one sector, if anything like this happens again, do you know, the same is, is, is the same outcome will happen. Do you know, it will repeat itself. So I think we do need to look at diversifying a little bit. What good things did you do in lockdown? Because I believe you, you've, you've done some work now. It started to, to kind of come back on. What did you do? How did you adapt? And, 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 and what happened from there? Um, so staff-wise, obviously, we everybody was on furlough. Um, because of the situation, as I've just mentioned, but we've got a couple of clients that kind of kept ticking over. So because the demand for care workers is obviously going up, um, it's just kind of managing the process on how we would still do that recruitment. How can we manage it? How can we, how can we support? So we implemented some, you know, some, some good, measures I would say at the beginning um, which have turned out to be a massive success so we have had some delivery going on um, with um, like the recruitment courses that we do the academies if you like Uh, and on the induction we have a nurse there that would take temperature of everyone coming in every morning and we'd set rooms out with I mean there was two meter social two metres apart, for, sorry, for social distancing. The, the, the tables are probably three metres apart because the room's massive. Um, so there's loads of space. Everyone's got hand sanitizers, um, desk wipes, everything else. So uh, other PPE. Um, so we made sure that if we were going to do it, it was going to be as safe an environment as humanely possible. Um, and it's worked really well. So it's, you know, we've carried on with that delivery throughout since March right the way through it's we've got we've got courses on now so so in that sense it's been good where we've struggled is we rely heavily on referral partners such as job center you know career service other um others as I mentioned before we've had a big impact on us there because their priority shifted to all the extra tens of thousands of people going on to universal credit you know they haven't got time for promoting courses and plus venue wise they all closed mm-hmm. you know so unless the clients got their own premises um which fortunately that the one that we've run heavily yeah. has um 
we've struggled to to manage that. And again, because we have got a an online offer for it, which um, we've been we've been promoting, but these people that have never worked in care before, one, they're already a bit apprehensive about going into the sector because of the current climate. Um, do you know they they really need that hands-on, do you know, delivery and the tutors that that work for Learning for Excellence, um, do you know, they've got an absolute wealth of experience and they're all very good at putting their experiences across to, to yeah. the group. And if people have never worked in the sector before, personally, I think they need that. Um, mm. Do you know, the online thing's great um, and it, it will be a part of what we have to do going forward, but... Do you know, I'm old school. You can't beat stand-up face-to-face teaching. Um, do you know, I, I heavily believe in that. And that's why our commercial business um, does as well as it does because, do you know, that is our ethos. Do, um, you think, do you think COVID has changed any of your business for the better? And if so, what, what has changed? I think it's given us an opportunity to kind of step back look at the operation, um, look at where we maybe need to tighten up on certain things. It's given us that time to to plan, if you like, for for going forward. What is, you know, the next step for us? Where are we going to focus our energy? What are we going to be doing? Um, it's, it's any business is the same. Um, but in FE, because it's such fast, such a fast paced industry, it's it's so easy to get caught up in it. Do you know, you just get caught up. You're you're running with it. You've got new clients coming on, new contracts landing. You, you know, you don't often, which is something I've learned that I need to do to better myself going forward. You don't often take a step back and go right. Let's just have a look at the operation. What are we doing? Do you know how are we doing it? Can it be structured better? Can it be more streamlined? Can it be more efficient? Um, we we do do a bit of that in the past. We've done we've done a bit of it, but this has certainly taught me that we need to take it a lot more serious going forward. Um, do you know what about the ways? Time. What about the ways you work and the offices and things like that? I think moving forward, do you know the the distance thing will be will be huge. Um, we're gonna have to where people can work from home. Obviously, they will they will be working from home. Um, you know, team meetings with everyone sat around a table will be a thing of the past. It'll all be done on, on, you know, Zoom or other, other alternatives that are available. Um, that's going to be a big shift. I think for a lot of people, the um, the office environment, it's the social aspect that mm-hmm. that they like from it the most. Certainly me. Do you know, I need that social interaction with people, just that office yes. banter, and I think that's that's going to be a big change for everyone, not only in our delivery and how we change that and how we, we manage, you know, to, to move into the new, new marketplace. It's the personal side of it in the office with everyone just, you know, cracking on like you do. That's, you know, that's a big part of, of any, any business and, you know, the office bans, it's, it's what people want to be in an office for. Do you know what I mean? So, um, I think that's going to be a, a big, a big shift um, because what we do, you know, the majority of us can work from home, can mm-hmm. work from a distance. Um, we've been having Zoom meetings with, you know, clients, colleges, and 
you know, it just shows you that you really need to travel all the way down there to see that person for a coffee and half an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm quite big it on is. the environment at the minute as well. Mm-hmm. All the the less of an impact on the mileage, I'm thinking, you know, I'm doing the planet some good here. So yeah, I think that'll yeah. be, that will be the future, do you know? It will be the future, and it's on. You know, I had a call this morning with a with a business, um, and the guy said about that uh, investments, and he said that um, more and <clears throat> he said more and more people now are looking to invest in sustainable environmental businesses. Yeah, because people our age and younger are starting to care about the planet a little bit more, and I think this is certainly, you know, will have a massive impact in terms of hospitality and, and hotel industry because. You know, I was going to London every week, two, three nights a week. Mm-hmm. I won't be doing that moving forward. I won't be, you know, I had a, a conversation with Saf from Pathway Group last week. And, yeah. you know, we were the type of people, we'd travel seven hours that day for a half an hour meeting or for an hour mm-hmm. meeting. Uh, you know, three and a half hours there, three and a half hours back. Crazy. An hour in between, mm-hmm. you know, I won't be doing that. But I, I'm like you, I like to go and shake someone's hand, yeah. have a coffee. Because sometimes the Zoom... It's like you get a little bit, five minutes at the beginning, but then bang, you're straight into the meeting. It's for efficiency. I was just going to say, it's so much more. For relationships, not so much. No, not at all. Totally agree. Um, But I will pick and choose my moments of of having the face-to-face meetings to having a a meeting over Zoom or Teams or or Skype or FaceTime, WhatsApp, whatever that means. I mean, you know, there's still opportunities. I've I've got a meeting with a new client next week, um, and we've arranged to meet in South Shields at the coffee shop near the beach. Said we'll, you know, we'll sit a couple of meters apart. We'll get our own coffees. Um, do you know, and it's a first a first face to face meeting. Although we've spoke on the phone many a time, um, and I, I, I said to her, do you know, do you want me to set something up on Zoom? Do you know we can? She's like, no, I need to see you face to face. You know, if we're looking at doing this partnership, um, albeit we can sit on separate tables, you want to look into your eyes. And I'm like, well, I, me, I understand that. I totally get that. Yeah, I get that. Um, so, but, you know, like you say, the, the impact on the, on the environment, you know, reduction in cost, reduction in travel, reduction in everything, you know, I think it will be all round more efficient. Um for, for business and um, when you're on the meetings, you know, you, you're straight to the point. Mm-hmm. I can go to a meeting and, and be there two hours and we'll spend an hour just talking about waffle. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, that's, where, that's where the relationship builds, the common ground is built. Of and course. The, the relationships yeah. expand from there. So, yeah, I agree with that. Um, in terms of, in terms of um, devolution, what do you think the positive impact will be for North of Time becoming devolved for, for your business? Uh, because we've got, a, you know, quite a solid foundation there. Um, we have got, we've already got confirmed um, contracts for North of Time, so we're in a we're in a good position. Um, it's same as Tees Valley, really. Do you know where we are with Tees Valley? We missed out on on Tees Valley because obviously the, the the evolution there was happening when we were kind of just yeah. getting going. Um, whereas north of Tyne, we understood TVCA, how it works, you know, what the priorities are. Um, so for north of Tyne, 
we've been able to put them bids in, knowing where our strengths are and and making sure yeah. that we've secured that that money. So I mean I'll you know, looking back, I wish we could have done the same for, for Tees Valley. Um but it just wasn't our our time. We were too new at that point. Um you know, but I, I do the devolved administrations are gonna you know gonna continue to to roll out. I think as long as you're prepared and you you understand that have you got a strength in that in yeah. that marketplace prior to thinking about going for anything? Um, do you know, it's you've just got to kind of change with with the times. I think um, we've been fortunate with Northern Time. We've got a lot of clients in that area, so do you know, we we won't struggle at yeah. all to fill anything that we've got there, um, which is good for us. So, say if Durham was going through devolution, I don't know if we'd currently be able to fulfill anything because we haven't got that many clients in Durham, although mm -hmm. we've got quite a few. Um, you know, the pre predominantly our work is Tees Valley and North okay. of the River. Got a question that I've asked all the guests on the, the FAE special. Um, if yeah. you could have a magic wand and change anything you want about FAE, what would you change? Or what would you do with your magic what wand? What would I do? I'd probably make myself an iron suit, paint it red and gold, and fly off and travel the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I would... Transparency is quite a big thing for me. You know, just understanding um, more about where things are going to go. So say, for example, the whole subcontracting thing. Um, we bought a roto business, um, you know, which which we've been for, fortunate enough to to get our hands on one. But roto being closed for so long, um, it makes it difficult for smaller providers to to break into to areas. You know, we have. I've, I've, I've a few a few of these episodes I've had. I've went on yeah. me, me me soapbox about this because smaller providers and new competition. Mm -hmm. adds good healthy competition into the industry well, however primes and colleges who can't manage properly give subcontracting a bad reputation and also okay. a few providers who don't want to do things properly but for someone like yourselves who've come into the industry got significant progress across the board in new monitoring visit have smashed every contract i've got 70 80 percent success rates if you didn't weren't fortunate enough, you know, uh, a year or two years ago to buy a roto business, you would still be capped on a yeah, contract. Completely. And Which is unfair because you are technically probably out-delivering some of the primes and colleges in your areas. Yeah. I mean, one of our biggest success stories was in our first year, um, the, sec the second half of our first year, um, we really got our teeth into sector-based academies in a big, big way. And from January to July, we got 184 people into work in health and social care who'd never worked in the sector before, um, which was phenomenal, you know, for a small, a small business. Bear in mind, we've still got, you know, less than a dozen staff with all, all freelancers included. Um, you know, that was such a big achievement for us. But we can't shout about that because it's not our data, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, 
one of the things that has crippled me for yeah. A long Where time. if you were applying the contracts, we can't really put that on because well, yeah. you know it wasn't our our contract. So that's the biggest thing for me. I think is it's got to be fair. Yeah, and I I think in terms of some of the devolved areas now not requiring roto, I think is is an opportunity. Some Massive. some you know sub, even though some subcontracts in, available in them areas still require to have roto, which is which is strange. Right. They need to sort this out as a government. Right. They okay. need to. They does the whole announcement on subcontracting they want to reduce it worry you slightly? It does at this moment in time, yeah, because, you know, we, we invested... Do you think in... they're going to bring more opportunity for them? Because subcontracting will become reduced. Yeah. Bear in mind, subcontractors will, and their profits and their businesses will contribute a hell of a lot to the economy, which is, mm-hmm. let's yeah. be honest, on, on matchsticks at the minute, um, and yeah. plasters everywhere and bandages. So... So to diminish that is crazy. Yeah. What do you think they need to do? Allow more people to access prime funding, like you've done with the apprenticeships? I think they need to to evaluate the situation with with Roto. So not necessarily open it back up, but you know, look to so say for example with the with the um, apprenticeships. You know, if you get on Roapt, you're classed as a prime provider. You can work with levy employers. Um, I think there needs to be something like that to give businesses an opportunity to go direct contract and to. Yeah. You know, we've we've got a lot of success um, on AEB and these these providers I know in the northeast who I work with and get on great with, um, who've also had a lot of success on AEB, but it's subcontract. I, I get that, and I think you're right on touching on that because you have to go through a rigorous Ofsted monitoring visit, which mm-hmm. could have went two ways. The way you wanted it to go, it went, or it could have went, actually, you're not where anywhere you need to be, you're not delivering. Yeah. They could implement something like that for AB, where they have another monitoring visit for really? AB. Are you doing what you say you're doing? Are you getting the outcomes? Is the quality there? Yes, you can continue. Is the quality there? No, it's not. You continue it. Mm-hmm. I think there needs to be a more rigorous process in getting in, which they're starting to do because yeah. no longer can little Jimmy in his garden shed get yeah. um, access onto Roapt and deliver levy apprenticeships. Yet, mm-hmm. you know, he's sat next to a rake and, and the lawnmower. So, you know, I think there needs to be a little bit more on, on that. Totally. Um, but I'm all for competition. You know, why shouldn't they? Why shouldn't they be allowed to set up a business if the best businesses come from people leaving other businesses and doing things better. Yeah, exactly. And I, I completely agree with that. Um, I think if someone's got that vision to, to do it better and you know make a, a significant impact on the region, I wish them the best of luck in the world. You know, they, like, they deserve a, a shot and, and a chance to do it. I mean, I thought originally when, because Roapt was... God, do you know, the first time was pretty straightforward. This time when we did the refresh, um, like a while ago, crikey, do you know, it was tough, like really intense. Um, And I actually thought that Roto would go, because obviously it's been, what, 
three, been three and a half Probably years now, four years, 2016, I think it was April. So it's been four years now. Um, I thought that would just go and Roapt would be the new, mm-hmm. do you know, you can sub on everything. Obviously, you've not got your 100K cap on that, um, but but still, still nothing. Um, and that's some of the events that we attend. You know, we, we see a lot of people from the ESFA there. We we speak quite openly with them about it and they say the same thing. Do you know, there's, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Tis, nah, it's like nobody has the answers. Um, but luckily for us, you know, we are fortunate that we've got that Roto business. Um, but again, depending on what changes with subcontracting, if they, if they reduce it all, obviously you've got your management fees that come out of it anyway. Um, you know, it just makes it more, makes it more difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, and final question for yourself. Or I'm, I'm, going ask you more, I'm going to ask you two more questions. Oh, yeah. Um, what's the worst piece of advice you've ever received? What's the worst? So, what, sorry. What's the worst piece of advice you've ever received? Worst piece of advice? Uh, Is it what? Sorry, you broke up. In business? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Worst bit of advice I would probably say is people saying you tried, you know, just give up now. Um, I think that's, for me personally, you know, I had a business, didn't work out. Um, You know, I've had failures and I think you've, you've got to have failures to understand what you need to do to get it right. Yeah. You know, and, it, and I think it's, it's quite easy to have them failures um, and just go, do you know what, I'm throwing the towel in. I tried, I can't do it. Um, do you know, persist for one thing, for setting up a business, running a business, everything else, persistence. Do you know, persistence is the key to it. You have to be prepared to take them knocks. Um, do you know, and some people say, you know, well, do you know, if it gets you down in the dumps, just go and get a normal job. Um, for me personally, I don't think that's good advice. Um, and I have had people say that to me in the past. I'm lucky I've got very supportive people around me. I've got very supportive parents and family, um, do you know, and, and they've all said, do you know, if it fails, pick yourself up, start again, mm-hmm. carry on. Um, mm-hmm. But I've got some friends who are, you know, they've been in a job for life and they're like, oh, no, I, no, you can't do that. Like, you know, what are you going to do? You need to go and get a job. And, you know, I don't agree with that personally. No, no. Um, good, good, that good. I, I, um, I agree with that. And last question. So we're allowed a dinner party. Yeah. It's our dinner party. You're allowed three guests, alive mm-hmm. or dead. You can yeah. choose anyone you want to come. Who would you choose? Michael Jackson. Mm. Um, oh god it's a tricky one I've actually answered this question before and I can't even remember who I said I'd love to have met Michael Jackson I'd like to have met Elvis Presley mm-hmm. um, can't think probably them two I'd sit in between them that do, and then maybe maybe he's a, like a fictional character of Iron Man thrown in there. 
Oh, I'd probably bring Iron Man back. If Captain America wasn't old, I'd probably bring him back. <laughs> I mean, if he, if he was dead, I mean, not old, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Gareth, thanks very much. It's been a good podcast. I appreciate no your time. Take care. See you soon.